Bible says, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia and the next day to Neapolis. Let's pray together. Lord, I do thank you for the great spirit amongst our people. And Lord, thank you that the words we sang tonight are true. And Lord, could be sung over and over again until you return. And we would never scratch the surface of just what you mean to us and who you are. And I'm thankful tonight that you are who you say you are. And Lord, so much more than we realize. And I pray you'd help us tonight as a church. Lord, as we look at this passage, as we look forward as a church, as we work together, the Lord, you'd stir our hearts for your will. Lord, I pray you bless the invitation time that whatever you bring to light in the hearts here, that we respond to it, whether for salvation, Lord, for repentance, or Lord, even surrender that we might serve you better. Lord, for all you do, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. <clears throat> I think I mentioned in passing, uh, either this morning or maybe just talking with some folks, Lord willing, in a few weeks, uh, we'll take off on our, our vacation. I haven't been on a, a big family vacation in about three years, and uh, excited about that. I'm not one of those people that need a vacation all the time. Uh, you know, you see those folks on Facebook are always needing a vacation, and maybe they just need a vacation from vacations. I don't know, but I'm uh, getting ready to go here in a few weeks, and my wife is an organizer. I'm glad to have her back with us tonight, and um, she's feeling some better. But uh, she's been organizing our trip, getting everything together. When you plan this long for a trip, you want to make sure everything's right before we head out to uh, Disney World. And uh, one thing about my wife is she likes to coordinate our outfits. Uh, on trips. Now, I do have a line, men, all right? Let me go ahead and say this before you take my man card after we leave. You know, no seersucker, things like that. But uh, we, do, uh, we do try to coordinate our outfits. She likes the pictures to look right, you know? When you're in one park by the castle, you look like this. When you're in Animal Kingdom, you know, you're wearing some type of uh, animal type, you know, leopard print. I'm not going to be wearing leopard print, but maybe tiger, but not leopard. And uh, she's been trying to organize all of that and get all of that together. And in our spare bedroom, room at the house is our staging room right now. Everything's being staged for it, down from our clothes to our shoes to our road snacks, our tickets. It is all in there. We are getting ready to go, and my wife's very good about making sure she's looking so tense right now, wondering what I'm going to say. Um, my wife's always really good about making sure that before we take a trip, we're prepared uh, for the trip, and she has all these packing lists, and uh, we get down there. I don't even have to worry about what I'm wearing. In the morning, I'll know exactly what park we're going to. Everything will be laid out for me. And we just have a great time because a lot of preparation goes into uh, the planning of a trip like that. And I was thinking uh, this evening as preparing for the message about as we as a church look to move forward in the will of God together here at Central Baptist Church, as we find our place in the will of God and collectively move forward as a body of Christ here at Central Baptist Church, how important it is to plan ahead and be prepared for what God wants to do and for where God wants to take us. I mean, if we can plan for vacations and we can plan for retirement and we can plan for our children's college, how much more important is it for us to make plans concerning the will of God? It's important we start realizing what it's going to take to get where we're going and what we're going to need to do, what we're called to do. And so as we look at Acts chapter number 16, we see the Apostle Paul about to take a trip himself 
In verse number 9, a vision appears unto him and is giving him his next marching orders for what is next in the will of God for his life. And as we look at this passage, these three verses, 9, 10, and 11, uh, we'll see three or four things. I may give you four, three or four for sure, uh, things that were needed for Paul's journey. And I believe there's something we could glean from them tonight for our journey. So the thought tonight is simply this, what is needed for what is next? We're going to look at what is needed for what is next, and this is pretty simple thought, and it probably will be a nice message, okay? When I was a kid, I used to categorize preachers as nice or mean. Uh, nice were the ones who told the jokes and smiled. Means were the ones who uh, brought conviction on me all of the time. I think this will be a nice one tonight, but there is some meat in here where God will show us four things, four simple things that we're going to need for what is next. Now, whatever the will of God is for you next, you're going to need these things, so be sure you make a mental note of them. So verse number nine, let's look at it. We'll find the first thing. <clears throat> the Bible says, in a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him. It means he begged him and implored him, come over into Macedonia and help us. The first thing I want you to notice tonight that we're going to need for what's next is we must have a vision. We're going to have to have a vision for what God wants for us next. Now, let me stop you in your tracks before you ask me the question, well, are we praying that God's going to send a man in a dream to tell us where to go? No, there's plenty of those preachers on television who see those guys for all of us. No, we're talking about the vision of the will of God of what he would have us to do and where he would have us to go. Now, folks, the Bible is very clear to us in Proverbs 29. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. I believe what's wrong with our church today, and I'm talking about our church in, in, in uh, specificity, but I'm talking about the church in general in America, is we've lost our vision. We've allowed the circumstances for the world and how dark things are and how dreary things are to really stifle what we believe that God can do. But understand this, just because the world's in the shape that it's in doesn't mean God can do any less today than he did back in Paul's day and Moses' day as well. It's the same God. So if anybody ought to have a right and I have a fervor about a vision for what is next, it ought to be the people of God. Now, folks, if you don't have a vision, I believe you will perish. You will get grumbly and you will get gripey and you will become one of those Christian complainers who all they try to do is slow other people down by their complaining. But I promise you, if you'll get a vision for what God wants to do next, you will find yourself excited. You'll find yourself with zeal looking forward to what God wants to do. I remember years ago, back in 1995, when the Lord called my dad to resign his church and to go start the camp out of our home church there in Collins. And uh, my dad sat down in the camper. It was five of us living in an 18-foot camper trailer. It was nowhere, amen, brother, it was nowhere as near as nice as the one my wife and I lived in. It was an 18-foot camper trailer. Somebody had painted it kind of with house paint, and it was one of those things to where you had to put the kitchen table down to make a bed, and then in the morning you had to put the bed up so you'd have a kitchen table, and the shower was in the, the same room the toilet was on, and it was just very, very cramped. My mom and dad were homeschooling two kids at the time. And it was rough staying in that camper. I remember my dad sitting down there at the camper, and he knew the Lord had called him to come back and to build this camp, to provide a place where you could shut the world out for a week so that young people could hear about the gospel and then find the will of God for their life. He took a, a, a yellow legal pad out and began to sketch out his, what God had put on his heart for the camp. Just the other day, dad was showing me that piece of paper. 
It's neat now to walk around that property and to see so many of those things that were on that paper from 1995 uh, have come to life, kind of like a pop-up book. God just brought it to pass. Now, it may not look like much to your average Joe out there, but man, we started in the negative. People have been dumping garbage on that property and construction debris and piles of bricks, and there were toilets stacked up for miles, it seems like. They just dumped all of this stuff out there, and now there's a youth camp where young people can come, hear the gospel, and be saved, and other young people can come and surrender their life to Christ. Matter of fact, uh, Brother Justin Corley was here at our fall festival on Friday night. He now pastors the church and seminary that I pastored and that my dad also pastored, and uh, he surrendered to preach at the camp there in Carson. It's interesting to see how God works through his will, but listen, you're not going to be excited about the will of God if you don't get a vision for what God wants you to do. Now, we pray collectively that God would use Central Baptist Church, but understand the collective will of God for Central Baptist Church, if you zoom in on it, it's the individual will of God for each and every one of us, and God will give us a vision for that. If you don't have a vision, you're not going to have much zeal for what God's calling you to do. The, my, one of my favorite missionaries is, is uh, David Livingston. And, uh, and David Livingston, when he went to Africa kind of on a survey trip, uh, the famous quote is that he saw the, the cooking fires of a thousand village camps that had never heard the name of Christ. What motivated David Livingston to go across Africa, and I believe four or five times, walked across the continent of Africa, was mauled by a lion and had malaria countless times. What could motivate somebody to do that? What could motivate somebody to leave so much behind and go to a place where so much was lacking? I'll tell you what it was. God gave him a vision. You'd be amazed at what you could do tonight if you just had a vision. Be amazed what Central Baptist Church could do if we just got a vision for what God wanted to do with this church. Folks, can we understand tonight? We were singing the song about I am. It's the same one. The same one that parted the Red Sea, the same one that brought the manna from heaven, the same one that was with David when he killed Goliath. It's the same one that we're serving. If anybody ought to have a vision, it ought to be us. Folks, we see so many people out there that are marching in the streets for every cause and creed today, and yet the people of God have grown silent. Why? Because I believe we've lost our vision. I believe tonight when you get a vision about where God wants to take you, it will help you to take the first step. Get a vision of where God wants to take you. I've been speaking with several of our young people lately about the will of God for their life, and they come by the office and speak with my wife and I about how to plan and what to look forward to. And you know, the Bible says you count the cost before you build the tower. But you get a vision of the tower that you believe God would have you to build and the direction that God would have you to go, and then you start preparing for that, knowing that God will always supply what is needed for what he calls us to do. So folks tonight, listen, if Central Baptist Church is going to fulfill the will of God, what we need for what is next is to first get a vision of what God wants us to do. My wife will tell you I have a rule. I love to build. I really do. If it's made out of wood, I can, I can probably handle it. I like working with wood. If it's metal or a motor, uh, that's not my, my wheelhouse. And <clears throat> used to, I think I've told you this before, I would tell her, she would say, honey, can you build this? And I would say, of course, get me a picture. She wanted me to build her a kitchen table. I said, get me a picture. She got me a picture, and I built what was in the picture. She wanted a toy box for Miley, and I built a toy box for Miley based on the picture, and so on, a, a playhouse for Miley. And, and then someone came up with Pinterest. Well, there's a whole lot of pictures on Pinterest. So she quit asking me, could I build it, and just started printing off pictures. Well, you can get in trouble there. 
just stacks and stacks of picture. Just go to the file and pull the next picture. But what is the picture? It's merely a vision of the desired outcome. Now, folks, God knows what he wants. God knows what he wants. God looks at the group of people that he's called at this place at this time, and he knows what he wants. But the problem is we got to care enough about what God wants to do through us to get a vision for it. Now, folks, let me tell you, you get a vision for what God's called you to do, there'll be a fire burning deep down in your heart to do it, whether it be going to Africa as the Rogers going to Kurdistan. I mean, Brother Rogers, I don't know if that's a place I'd want to go on a vacation. I remember when the Rogers came to our church in Monroe. You remember that? We went out to eat at McAllister's, sitting across the table from these folks who were just excited about leaving the U.S. and going back to Iraq. I'm just sitting there thinking this. I don't know. Somebody must have put something in their drink. Wanting to go back to Iraq and excited about that? What happened? God gives you a vision. You'll find you'll have zeal if you just get a vision for what God's calling you to do. They say, where do you get a vision from? This is wonderful. This is why it's important to read your Bible. When you get in the Word of God, you see some things that God has already done. And when you see what God has already done, it stirs your heart for what God wants to do because he's the Lord and he changes not. The same God, the same power, he desires to work through us. The problem is we've got to get on the same page with God. Where does that begin? Number one, verse number nine, Paul's next step began with a vision. God gave him a vision of what he wanted to do. Now look down to verse number 10. The Bible says, and after, and after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, gathering, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto him. Now, here's something very interesting. I want you to notice what his vision produced. The Bible says, after he had seen the vision, that's why it's important you get that first. Number two, after he had seen the vision, the Bible uses the word immediately. Immediately. I mean, the Apostle Paul's ready to go. What happened? Number two, that vision produced motivation. I believe what we're going to need for what is next is motivation to see God do what only God can do. I've, I've had this conversation a lot lately. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what goes on in your heart. I know what goes on in my heart, and I know where I believe God wants to take us and what God wants to do, but I can't tell if he's doing the same thing in your heart. I sure hope he is because it's exciting when we all get on the same page with God. The reason I'm motivated is not because of who I am. I can definitely tell you that. I'm not motivated just because we have a big building. I'm not motivated because we have a stellar uh, team of, uh, of preachers here on our staff. That's not what motivates me. What motivates me is the vision. The vision produces the motivation. I believe the reason so many of us are not motivated to do the will of God and we're content to carve out an existence in this life and not for the one to come, we're not motivated because we don't have a vision. You see how they work together. The Bible says immediately. One of the greatest motivators is our vision. Many years ago, we were going down the road after church. I, was, I don't think I was married yet at this time. And uh, we passed by a house fully engulfed in flames. We saw this house. I mean, it was just, it was burning. There was nobody, there was no cars there. And we pulled up and my dad kind of ran up the steps of the house and peered into the door. No, you know, it's kind of a frightening thing. The house is fully engulfed. The, the heat radiating off of it was enough to, to melt your skin. But man, he was willing to run up there and look into the door. Why? Because of what he saw motivated him to make sure there was nobody in there. 
It's amazing when you get a vision, the motivation that you will find. That's why we're not motivated. Folks, the Word word of God is full of so many examples of the power of God and how He brought about the will of God for us to at least have a little bit of a vision of what God wants to do in our future. This is why we see with the children of Israel, countless times he uses the phrase, a land flowing with milk and honey. What is he trying to do? He's trying to motivate them with a vision, all right? My wife, from time to time, will, uh, will describe for me what she's cooking for supper. I'm trying a new recipe, and I'll be talking to her on the phone, and she said, it's got mushrooms in it. I love mushrooms. She doesn't. She calls it fungus. <laughs> it may be, but it sure is good fungus. Put some bell peppers in it and some sauteed onions. I don't eat the raw ones. I try not to, but sometimes, you know, and she'll saute those onions. And man, as she is describing it in my ear, my taste buds are starting to realize what that combination. You see, I believe only geniuses can taste things through hearing about them. I'm one of those people. I know you didn't know that, but. I'm one of those people. I mean, I can put those flavor combinations in my head. I'm like, that's, that's good. And I just start closing up my books, closing the laptop up, packing the bag up. I'm going to the house. Man, I'm motivated. Why? She described it. Boy, she gave me a vision of, of what was waiting on me. Man, it's, it's always good. Now, folks, if we would just get a vision, we'd find ourselves more motivated to do what God's called us to do. Now, why are we have so many, so many Christians that are unmotivated? Why do we have so many Christians who don't seem excited? I mean, look, I know the world's dark and dreary, but God's still the same. I mean, nothing's changed on that front. We have just as much a right to be motivated as our grandfathers, as David did, as Paul did. We have just as much a right to feel motivated because our God's still on the throne. But why aren't we motivated? It's because we're short-sighted. We're short-sighted. We've lost our vision. We're just looking at this thing and we're thinking, man, look at how divided our world is. It's just polarized. United States of America seems so divided. This election coming up, it's going to be who knows what's about to take place in our country. I mean, it could get rough. And we're thinking, you know what? The world just looks bad. Why don't we just hunker down? Why don't we just take it easy? Why don't we just secure ourselves and go hide in our, in our bunker, our underground tornado shelter in our backyard? As if God's not still on the throne. Folks, God can still work in a day and age just like this, but he works through people that are motivated through their vision. We see often, so often in uh, the life of Christ where the Bible says when he saw the people as sheep not having a shepherd, he was moved with compassion. He was motivated. What motivated what he saw? So number one, we get a vision. Number two, we find motivation. If you will get a vision, you'll find that discouragement It'll be hard to catch up with you. If you just get a vision of what God wants to do, it's going to be hard to get discouraged. There are so many times up there in Monroe uh, when uh, living there in the camper and and working for the garbage company uh, where you might get discouraged from time to time. In the shadow of very large churches, very dominant, well-established churches, God, why did you call us here in the middle of all of that to build a work? And yet I knew that's what God called me to do, and I knew what God had put in my heart. I could just see it just as clear as day what God wanted to do there. And I had this pastor call me, and he says, hey, don't you ever get discouraged? I says, no. And I say that before God. I didn't get discouraged. Did I get disappointed? Absolutely. Did I get discouraged? No. Why? Because discouragement will die in the shadow of a vision. 
It'll always die in the shadow of it. You ever have something out there in your yard? Maybe, I know you folks don't have junk in your yard, but from time to time, I will have junk in my yard. And you get out there and you, you start moving the junk around so people can cut grass. <laughs> you know how that works? You just keep moving it to a different spot and you have all these little yellow squares out there in the yard where you just keep moving your junk around. You know, it's kind of like a rotation. Why does the grass die? Because the grass is in the shadow of whatever that junk is. You know, those three or four cars you have out there in the backyard. That's why the grass dies. It's in the shadow of that car. Well, see, discouragement is a lot like that grass. You get a a vision and get a big vision, all right? Get a, a big vision with a big shadow of what you believe God wants to do. Look, discouragement will die underneath that. But if your vision is only a little old umbrella about that big, don't be surprised if discouragement doesn't creep out from under there. Your vision wasn't big enough, and discouragement took root. John chapter number 4, Jesus tried to motivate the disciples through a vision. He tells them, look upon the fields. Look upon the fields. He says, they're white. They're already white in the harvest. What is he telling them to do? He's trying to motivate them. The fields are ready. Hey, the opportunity's there, but you got to get a vision before you get motivated. And that's why the church is not motivated today. We've lost our vision. This is why Christians are discouraged today. We watch the news and we don't even feel like leaving the house. God's still there. God's still on the throne. Number one, get a vision. Number two, what is needed for what's next is motivation. Number three, there's something really interesting after that word. The Bible says, and after he had seen the vision, immediately, look how motivated he is. Immediately, we endeavored to go, keep reading. The Bible says, assuredly gathering assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. I love the fact that he included the words assuredly. The third thing we're going to need for what's next is certainty. We're going to have to have certainty specifically in the will of God. There's no way you're going to make the trip of where God is calling us as a church without certainty. Why? There are going to be things along the way to push us back. There's going to be disappointments. There's going to be discouragements at times. There's going to be folks that let you down. There's going to be people that hurt your feelings. And the only way that you will keep with the course of what God has next for us is to have certainty that this was the will of God. Can you imagine how much certainty Paul had about what he was doing? I don't think you could ever talk him out of it. Paul, look, we're going to pay you a million dollars not to go on this journey. Paul would say, I know what I saw. I know what I saw. I know God gave me a vision of where he wants to take it. You're not talking me out of it. Wouldn't it be wonderful if God's people had that kind of certainty? It doesn't take much to talk us out of the direction God's called us in. Bad weather, a little persecution, a little bit of discouragement. I was so proud of our young people. By the way, young people, I love you. I really do. Sometimes I may sound mean, but it's not. It just means I I love you if I get grumpy every once in a while. But um, our young people came back from soul winning. I was hearing the the stories of some of the things they heard while they were out. As a matter of fact, Brother Danny told me he was soul winning the other day, and somebody told him that he was God. You'll hear some weird stuff when you're out there. Young people was witnessing to one person, and one person told them that uh, that was none of their business. Well, it really is our business because we don't want them to die and go to hell. And, well, that would turn a lot of people back. What a blessing it is to me. I want you to know how encouraging it is to see our young people load up on a bus every Wednesday and go out and knock doors and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
If there's anything we ought to be certain about, it's what Paul said at the end of verse number 10. Assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. If there's one thing you ought to be certain about tonight is that God has called Central Baptist Church to get the gospel out. Can I tell you this? This might blow your mind. I don't know how many churches you associate with, but I get to associate with a lot of them and being in a lot of different ones. And you'd be amazed at how many churches getting out the gospel is not the priority anymore. I'm not being mean to them. I'm just being honest with you. I was, we were at a church a while back, and good folks, good folks, nice folks, I believe genuinely want to do the will of God, and they've been taking mission trips for years and years and years down to South America, even the church we were at. And after about, was it 14, 16 years? It was several years of going down there to, to build orphanages and things. Someone spoke up and says, we decided while we're down there, why don't we start sharing the gospel? Now, now, I'll be honest, it's kind of sad. I'm not knocking the folks. But you see, we've gotten away from the certainty of knowing why we're, why we're here. At the very least, listen, if you don't know the specific will of God for your life, whether you're called to be a missionary or called to be a godly plumber, just called to be whatever it is, if you don't know the specific will of God, at least we all know the general will of God is to preach the gospel unto them. That's the very least that we ought to know. And the only way we're going to be motivated to do that is to get a vision, and we get the vision from the word of God. He calls us, and we should have certainty about it. Going back to Jeremiah this morning in the message, Imagine how certain he was about his service. The Lord called him personally. He says, look, fear not. He says, I'm going to deliver you. Now, can you imagine how invincible you would feel if God says, don't be afraid, I will deliver you? I would probably be borderline cocky. I mean, if you knew you couldn't die... If you knew that God was going to put a hedge of protection about you, I mean, you just march right on up in there and do the will of God. Let me tell you, Jeremiah was preaching very unpopular stuff at a very unpopular time. How did he do that? He did it with certainty because he knew that he was called. You see, he had a vision and he was motivated with certainty. Turn to Proverbs 22 real quick. Proverbs 22. Proverbs chapter 22, and look down to verse number 21. I love this verse. Look down to verse number 20, I believe we're going to look at. Watch verse number 20. I love the encouragement in these words. Proverbs 22, 20, the Bible says, Have not I written to thee excellent things in counsels and knowledge, that I may make known, that I make thee know the certainty of the words of truth, that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee. Don't you love that? Have not I written to thee excellent things and counsels and knowledge that I might, might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth? Can I tell you something? As the people of God, we have the words of truth. If there's anybody that ought to have certainty and be motivated, it ought to be the people of God. He's given us all that we need to have certainty. He's given us all that we need to be motivated, folks. We ought to be ready, as they say, to charge hell with a squirt pistol. We ought to have that kind of motivation because we know that we have the words of truth. Truth is getting hard to find in America anymore. Truth is a lot like that jello that I've been eating. It just takes the form now of whatever circumstances around. That's not God's truth. God's truth is what it is, and it says what it says, and we cannot change that. We've got the truth. 
I mean, the world, by the way, that's what the world's looking for. They're looking for truth. And we've got it. We ought to be motivated to go give it to them. It's like, look, it's like a first aid kit. You know, those medics, I watched a little football this afternoon, and, man, people getting splattered all over the field. And all of a sudden, here come those medics running out there. They're prepared and ready. They got the goods for the need that's there. We ought to be like the medic of the world. The world is in desperate need of the truth. And we got it. And we ought to be motivated to take it to them. Why? Because it's certain. Anybody ought to be certain tonight. It ought to be the people of God. So number one, what are we going to need for what's next? We're going to need to have a vision. Number two, we're going to need to have motivation. Number three, certainty. And the last thing is in verse number 11. The Bible says, therefore. I always love the therefores in the Bible. As a result of. As a result of the vision, the motivation, and the certainty, therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis. The last thing, and maybe the most difficult, because in order for them to get to where God was calling them, they had to loose from where they were. So the third thing that will be needed for what is next is surrender. It will require surrender. When I go stay at a hotel... A lot of times, you know, they're in the lobby. They will have those little, those little uh, brochure holders. I forget what they're called. That's probably not the technical term. Little brochure holders, you know, those little placard cards, card sock things that show you the Dixie Stampede or the water park or something like that. And um, I'll get my wife. I'll settle in the hotel. And I'll go down to the, the lobby, and I'll pull back stacks of those things. Just take like a big old stack of them, you know, back to the hotel room. My wife hates it when I bring them home because I don't ever do anything with them. I just like looking at all the stuff that they have. Man, you look at this petrified forest, you know, world's largest ball of wax, you know, and you kind of just look through all of that stuff. And here's the thing. We don't ever go to those places. We don't ever go to any of those places. We just usually like to just chill out and camp out at the hotel and enjoy the continental breakfast, you know. And I was thinking this afternoon, how often, look, how often do we take the word of God and we use it like a brochure? We thumb through all of the promises. We thumb through all of the power. We thumb through even the vision. And man, we think that is really, really, really neat. But in order for us to go to what's in the brochure, we have to be willing to leave the hotel. In order for Paul to fulfill the will to go to Samothracia, he had to loose from Troas. You know what that's called? That's called surrender. Now, folks, the only way we're going to get to what God has for us next is to let go of where we are now. There's no way to do both. God gives us a vision. Boy, that motivates us, and we have certainty. But then it all comes down to the final decision to loose from Troas. This is why the children of Israel never got to the promised land. They could never let go of Egypt. They could never let go of Egypt. Who wouldn't want to go to a land flowing with milk and honey? Go interview those people and ask them, don't you want to go to the land of flowing with milk and honey? Yeah, who wouldn't? Don't you want to go to a land that's provided for you by God, a land that's set aside for you by God providentially? Don't you want that? Absolutely. Just as much as every person in this room tonight wants the will of God for what's next for Central Baptist Church. The question is how bad? How bad? How bad do we want what's next? Because what we need to do to receive what's next is we're going to have to surrender what is now. We see it in Hebrews chapter 11 with Abraham. The Bible says Abraham went out not knowing 
want you to think about that. I mean, we've got to have, look, we've got to have a full trip itinerary of the will of God before we take the first step. And Abraham just went out not knowing. He just knew God was taking him to a good place. He believed God could take him to a good place. He got excited about it, and he just followed God to a place he did not even know where he was headed because he just believed God could do it. But it required some surrender on Abraham's part. Now, folks, I don't know about you tonight. I'm excited about what's next. I really am. I know what God's put in my heart. I hope he's put a little bit of it in your heart. I hope he's stirred your heart. A few times today, a few times last week, as we sit up here on the platform and listen to the singing and look at the countenances of our people during the service, it's almost as if you get a little bit of a breeze of the Holy Spirit beginning to blow through this place. That may sound weird to you, but that's how I see it, okay? The Holy Spirit is often described as a rushing mighty wind, and you start to see those leaves fluttering a little bit. And boy, it's exciting thinking about what God has planned for what's next. But we can veto it all if we don't surrender Troas. I don't know what your Troas may be today, but what are you holding on to? I'm not talking about sin necessarily. We're talking about God's got to loose you from your comfort zone. So what is needed for what is next? It's simply this. We need to get a vision. Would you be willing tonight to pray as the Apostle Paul did? Lord, what would thou have me do? What do you want me to do? Just show me what you want me to do. Would you be willing to ask God for that? You may not even be willing to ask for that because you know once he shows you, you're going to feel accountable to it. You will. Be careful what you pray for. Would you be willing on behalf of the collective body of Christ here at Central Baptist Church to ask God, what would you have me do? Show me what you would have me to do. Don't not just pray, God, give us the will for Central Baptist Church. No, no, no. Show me what you would have me to do. Would you be willing to ask God for a vision? Number two, if he shows you and when he shows you, would you be motivated? Would you be motivated with certainty? And then would you be willing to surrender? that we could all find out what God has planned for us next. Let's bow our heads tonight and close our eyes and stand to our feet. Take a few moments for our invitation.